morning. Colin, thanks for being with us. Tell me your thoughts about uh, Jay Powell's comments yesterday and rate hikes. <laughs> uh, good morning, Nicole. I think your volume is just right. Um, you know, yesterday we got more more hawkish comments from Powell, which has been the theme lately. You know, it's no surprise at this point. The Fed, uh, Fed officials, they've told us that they are going to hike rates. And what hasn't really changed much over the past you know, month or so is expectations for the, the pace of rate hikes. Despite all the stock market volatility, we look at where the Fed funds futures market is pricing the rate at the end of this year. It hasn't changed much. Powell really just reiterated that. It's all about inflation right now. He said he and Fed officials are waiting to see clear and convincing evidence that inflation you know, is retreating, is coming down before they pare back an aggressive pace of hikes. That's not much of a change. We expect that inflation is the number one problem right now. And so for, it doesn't look like the Fed put is here anymore. I mean, if, if, I don't know if it's gone, but it's certainly in hibernation. When you consider inflation, it affects everybody, right? It, it affects all consumers, regardless of where you're located. I mean, we see it at the pump, we see it in rising food prices. And when they look at a drop in stock prices or things like that, that's not their concern right now. Their concern is bringing down inflation and they're gonna hike rates to do that and they're likely gonna get above neutral, um, which can cause you know more volatility in the market and it can cause things to break. Yeah, to your point, if we have to go past neutral, we won't hesitate, was Jay Powell's exact quote as he spoke. Um, there's certainly uncertainty about the economy, which he says limits the Fed's guidance. And so I guess they'll have to go and be somewhat data dependent on each of the next meetings. But of course, everybody's expecting 50 basis points on June 14th and then 50 basis points again in July 14, 15. Um, again in July. Could it be more? Do you think like we could possibly see 75 basis points? How likely is that? Uh, we don't think it's very likely. Uh, Powell basically said that's not something they're considering. We even got comments from uh, Bullard, uh, who, who's been one of the more hawkish members of the FOMC, and, and he wasn't even out there really pounding the table for that. So there doesn't seem to be any sort of consensus around an even more aggressive pace of rate hikes. What we are expecting is 50 basis point hikes, half percentage point hikes in both June and July. Mm -hmm. um, that's gonna get the Fed funds rate you know, close to 2%. Um, after that, then we're gonna be data dependent. We don't think much is gonna change that plan for now because of the high inflation reading we're seeing. However, we do think we are seeing signs that inflation is close to peaking. And that can give the Fed a little bit of a runway to pare back and then just hike by 25 basis points. But anyway, we see it, you know, the Fed funds rate's gonna get you know, north of two and a half percent this year, you know, maybe close to 3%. Um, and that is above neutral. And, and that to us means tighter financial conditions. And so that's what he was talking about too, with exactly that financial conditions have tightened significantly. Where does that fit into what the Fed's really deciphering and, and going through? Well, you know, luckily the market's doing a lot of work for them. When he talks about tighter financial conditions, we're seeing that already in the markets, even though the Fed has only hiked at two meetings and technically, I guess, three times, we'd say, because of the 50 basis point hike. But what they're looking to do is, is slow down demand. Um, that's all they can affect. That's all they can impact. They can't affect uh, the supply chain issues uh, they can't have uh, you know, China go back to a fully operational economy just yet. They can only impact demand uh, here in the U.S. 
And if that makes it right. you know, more expensive to borrow, more difficult to get that money, um, then that can slow demand and bring prices down. And that's what they're focusing on right now. Tell me about high yield bonds and why uh, we should exercise some caution. Yeah, that's one of our main themes, Nicole, where we do see a lot of opportunities in the market with the rise in yields lately, but but not yet in high yield bonds. We are a bit more cautious there. We think there could be better entry points down the road. A main theme is just is just corporate profits. We, we started to see corporate profit growth slow in the fourth quarter of last year, and we're already seeing a lot of concerning issues uh, in the first quarter of this year as it relates to supply chain issues, you know, rising labor costs, things like that. And, you know, that just eats into to, to the ability to pay corporate bondholders. And then taking it a step further, the slope of the yield curve tends to be um, not necessarily a driver of high yield bond performance, but but it coincides as the as the yield curve flattens, high yield performance tends to deteriorate. And even though you know there are parts of the yield curve that are steep, there are parts that are flat, right. we do think the trend for all yield curves is flatter. And as that happens, you know, that can spell trouble for high yield bonds, and, and we just think there'll be better opportunities down the road. So that's what I was going to ask next. I, I, I know you want to touch on housing, and I do want to hear what you have to think about uh, when it comes to housing. But at the same time, what's your advice to investors? Sure. I think that's that's more important, Nicole. What should clients be doing now? What should investors be doing now? We think there are opportunities out there. And as it relates to high yield bonds, where we're a bit more cautious there, one of our main reasons is why take that risk when you can get high yields without taking so much risk? When you think about intermediate term bonds, whether it's treasuries or whether it's, say, investment grade corporate bonds, these are at the highest levels we've seen since the end of the financial crisis. So no, they're not at levels we saw in 2005, six, seven, um, you know, 5% plus, but they're not that far off. And these are the highest yields we've seen in years, you know, in 14 years to be exact. And given our expectation that the Fed funds rate is probably only gonna get to that 3%, maybe three and a quarter percent area, that means there's not much upside for a lot of these yields. So we'd rather take advantage of that now and consider locking in some higher yields with high quality investments uh, rather than waiting for the Fed to keep hiking because then you're just playing catch up. Right, are you a fan of REITs overall? I mean, people, when we talk about housing, you can tie it into your housing thought. Some people like to you know, invest in REITs overall, they get a dividend. Um, but give us your housing thought and investing in REITs. Sure, investing in REITs, well, as it relates to our equity sector views, we're, we're neutral across the board. Um, we don't have an overweight or underweight allocation to really any of the sectors, mainly because of all the volatility out there. With the housing market, a concern of ours is the effect of the rising mortgage rates. Um, on the market and what that does for home prices. So far, we've seen home prices continue to rise, but when the mortgage rate rise, that that should put pull home prices down. And I think that can impact investor psyche, investor behavior, just through the wealth effect. And I think, or maybe it's even the Zillow effect. If any homeowners, especially recent homeowners, if they're checking Zillow, they're likely seeing those prices continue to rise. If we start to see that stop and the impact of these higher mortgage rates actually you know, wade into the market and pull prices down. You know, if you're not feeling as wealthy, what does that do uh, to your to your consumer behavior and your spending habits? And, and we think that's a risk going forward. Right, and that's part of the big picture is how people feel. It's sentiment and behavior. And right now, sentiment has been weighing. Behavior is, is staying on as people are spending. But 
at some point you usually see more of a correlation between the two, right? If they're feeling pretty crummy, they're probably not spending. So we'll see what the consumer has to do going forward. Colin Martin, nice to see you. Schwab Center for Financial Research. Thanks so much for being with us.